All right, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Welcome back to another episode of the Remote Closing Academy podcast. And if you're ready for an energy-filled, action-packed episode, this one is gonna be the one for you. And you might be saying, Aaron, what the heck do you mean? Well, in this episode, this is one of the first people that I feel like has been able to match my energy in the way that I speak, in the stories that I tell. Um, so I was actually really excited to bring him on. So this is somebody, he's been able to, I mean, he's been in the pipeline of RCA, not even like in the program for that long, uh, but even before that, he already knew that he wanted to jump in. It was just a matter of when for him. And, you know, since jumping in, he's really been able to, you know, grab the bull by its horns, um, you know, get place in an offer and see some really early successes um, and being able to make a good amount of money just within the first couple months of him being in his offer. So with all that being said, don't want to spoil too much here, but if you want to listen to the rest of this, make sure to sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. First of all, dude, welcome to the to the podcast. Thank you so much. And uh, hello from Hurricane Miami. I Usually I say sunny Miami, but yeah. <laughs> what's going on? We're, we're, we're typhooning over here. Yeah, we got Ian Ian uh, trying to, to mess things up over there, huh? Ian's a bad dude, man. Bad dude. <laughs> uh, but thanks for inviting me on the podcast. I have been uh, an RCA evangelist for quite some time. Funny story. I was an RCA evangelist before I even got into the program. So I'll tell you that story at some point. But um, yeah, happy to be here. Love it, man. Yeah, I'd love to hear that because I think, um, you know, anytime we have someone that, I mean, even before you jump in, you're already, you know, screaming the praises of, of what RCA is. So let's, uh, you know, before we jump too deep into that, you know, what I, we always like to do is just rewind the clocks a little bit, you know, before before you even know, knew who Cole Gordon or RCA was, before you saw that bearded guy on the uh, on the ads, um, you know, what what were you doing before before all that? Speaking of beard game, Cole is one of the masters of beard game, not just in the closing space, just in life in general, clearly winning. Um, so, yeah, before uh, I saw his ad on Facebook, what was I doing? I mean, I've done a number of things, some of them legal. Oh, no, I was, <laughs> I was in sales for like a couple of years. Um, the the broad career arc is I went to school for computer engineering. I was not always this extroverted. I was like <laughs> programmer guy with a pocket protector. <laughs> Code. We'll have to take that as a clip. <laughs> Don't recommend. It's bad for the complexion to spend all day behind the computer. Um, honestly, I <clears throat> I, I like people. I always have, I've always been curious about people. And as a developer, <coughs> excuse me, as a developer, I uh, was building stuff without knowing what the end problem was. And I wanted to get closer to the end problem because who knows, maybe the thing I was building was solving a problem that could, could have been solved without technology, just, you know, with people. <coughs> so I moved from, uh, computer engineering, software development into sales engineering, which is being the technical member of the sales team. And I was working uh, in financial software, big honking enterprise software, uh, being sold to big banks, uh, trading floor, treasury. So I'm walking to, to like, uh, by, by the way, I moved from where I went to school in Canada to New York City. <clears throat> and that's kind of where I kicked off my career as a sales engineer. So uh, a sales engineer is basically an engineer who can talk real good, right? Mm. So I didn't know anything about sales, didn't know anything about commissions, none of that stuff. It was like a base salary. It was a very high base salary, but I was basically the guy who would walk in, sit across the table from all of these guys at Deutsche Bank on the trading floor, 
these guys are all coked up and you know their suits and they're like very very antsy it's like hey what you got for us now? <laughs> and i basically i basically was sitting across the table for them calm them down it's like yes our software will not cost you your job yes it's easy to use yes it will fit into your blah 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 and then once i was finished that spiel and the people on the other side of the table were like okay 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 then the sales guy would kick me out of the room he's like all right mark get out of here because I'm, I'm too technical. He's like, he just needs me for that piece. And then he kicks me out of the room. So I uh -huh. never saw what went on in the actual sales process, but he would always, you know, sales guy would always be happy. He'd come back and be like, ah, we got the deal. Let's go to the strip club. <clears throat> so uh, that was kind of my first introduction to New York strip clubs as well. The first deal. That was <laughs> so that, that's a side story. I don't know if it's work appropriate, or appropriate from this podcast. Uh, we'll, we'll probably we'll probably have the sidebar about that. Yeah, yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you about that later over a drink. Um, so anyway, that's how I got exposed to sales. This is early 2000s. Um, the way I got into sales is there was a Cinco de Mayo party uh, at one of the companies I worked, my sales guy. He was an ASU grad. So if you know anything about ASU, it's like a very party school, uh, produces a lot of salespeople. And he was just a happy-go-lucky guy, uh, invited me to a Cinco de Mayo party at, at his uh, apartment on the Upper West Side. I walk in, his apartment is like the Seinfeld apartment. It's freaking huge. If you know anything about Manhattan, nobody has that size of apartment on the Upper West Side, which is very expensive. And then I walk out onto his balcony and his balcony has more square footage than the apartment I'm living in on the Lower East Side. So I turned to the uh -huh. guy and I'm like, oh, how do you afford this? And he, he stops. And I still remember he was like hitting a one hitter of, of like weed. And he, he takes the, the weed pipe out. And he looks at me like almost in a stock. What do you mean? I'm in sales. If I want more, I sell more. Boom. Instantly Mark at that moment became a sales guy. So that's how I discovered sales. <laughs> um, took me another two years before I actually got into a quota carrying role, but Basically, since 2003, uh, I've been selling something and I sold mortgages, I sold door to door, I sold professional services for seven years. So tax consulting, very esoteric um, field, but essentially you're selling people in process. So you got to kind of package it up and make a product out of it. Right. <clears throat> um, yeah. So that that's kind of the path. Uh, that's what I did before. Oh, yeah. I also did consulting. Uh, sales consulting, where I had become so good at that particular type of sales, like SaaS or professional services, uh, and I had served in so many quota carrying roles and outperformed that people were telling me, hey, you're really good at this, and you're really good at helping to level up other reps who are on your team just for free. You just do it because you like it. Mm -hmm. You should do that as a business. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, okay. And I went off and I did consulting, which was incredibly professionally fulfilling incredibly economically stupid because it's just consulting is super hard. Um, so I did that for another seven years from like 20, 2011 to 2019, I want to say. And then that's what happened. I discovered high ticket sales at that point. It's actually really interesting here because you're one of the, 
and maybe out of the you know 10-ish episodes we've done so far i think you you and one other person has already had like that sales experience so how how was that transition from maybe not even to like rca specifically but from you know being in person for the most part of it you know being able to use that personality you know what was that transition like from that type of sales into like remote high ticket sales if anything that's a really great question um it was easy for me, but part of the reason it was easy is that I'm a student of humans. So as a computer engineer, I had an interest in artificial intelligence. I built an artificial intelligence chip. That led me into the study of neuroscience. The study of neuroscience led me to study NLP. So I discovered Tony Robbins, the power, uh, what is it, Power Within or whatever, Power yeah, yeah. his first book. And I read this and I go, this guy's like, he's like my personal Jesus all of a sudden. <laughs> and then I, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Jesus isn't real. Oh, no <laughs> politics, no religion. I know I promise you that. Sorry, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> but I found out that his whole spiel, his whole, I shouldn't say spiel, his whole body of work came from neurolinguistic programming. So I studied that. Point is, Neurolinguistic programming is the study of programming humans through language. And it turns out that doing things in person and doing things on Zoom or even on the phone, you're still selling to people. So uh, it was actually easier for me to sell to someone over Zoom because uh, I can still see their body language, but mm -hmm. I don't have to drive an hour to show up at their door and wait reception area and, and then going to a boardroom like all of that political stuff and, and the logistical stuff is remote so now I'm just boiling it down to the to the essence talking with a human talking to a person so it's actually easier for for me yeah I think that's interesting because you know I I would assume that I mean all my sales experience has been you know over over zoom so I don't really know anything else but I, I'd imagine it, it becomes almost easier because you you don't have to leave your element you know, you don't go into like, you know, cause I forgot, I think maybe it's like pitch anything or one of those like old school sales books is, uh, you know, the way that a lot of those, those offices are built is like you wait in the reception area and that's like to like break down your frame. Right. And then, you know, that you waiting for it and then putting you in this position, right. It's just like, they put you in this, this frame to where it's like, you almost have to dig yourself out of that as opposed to on a zoom call. It's like, this is my space. You know, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. Sun Tzu said that the successful army wins the battle and then goes to fight. The, the defeated army goes to fight to win the battle. So when you walk into an office and there's all this, you know, politics and, and it's almost like a trap set for you to, as you just said, break down your frame, you're starting at a disadvantage. With Zoom, you own the frame, you can go do your power pose and do a couple jumping jacks. You control the space you're in. Right. So it's it's yours to lose as opposed to the other way where it's, you know, yours to win. Yeah, so you know. exactly. So let's I mean, I think that's a, a good transition because, you you know, you, you did the sales stuff, you transitioned into high ticket sales. How did you find RCA? Uh, how exactly did I find RCA? Oh, I remember now. So I worked at this company. My real introduction to high ticket sales was working for a company called salesprocess.io, which is run by a genius called Nick Cosman. And he is an engineer 
from a rival university in Canada. I don't really like that part because he's brighter than me. Um, so he developed a system for business that was very engineered. He basically engineered how to be successful, how to get a any type of business, primarily SaaS, but how to get go from zero to a million in a year reliably. And it was using engineering principles. And he did this over and over and over for multiple companies. In fact, at the time I joined uh, sales process that I, he had like 1100 uh, clients. And I mean, most of those clients had been successful, which is a huge number of iterations. This shit really worked. And while I was working there as a setter, Cole Jordan joined uh, and I had seen him Oh, I had reached out to him previously. I'd seen him on the internet and I'd reached out to him probably to work for him. So he joined salesprocess.io, I guess, to scale closers.io. And I saw him join. I was a setter, but I, I was seeing the, the, the uh, private student Facebook group or client Facebook group. And I, I said, hello. And he never replied back. And I was like, yo, this guy's like super <laughs> But I get it. The way I came at him was like very fanboyish. It's like, oh, I see you joined SalesProcess.io. Yeah. You're part of the family. And he never responded. So I kind of kept that in mind. I was like, Mark, you, you, really, you really came at it the wrong way there. Um, and then I left SalesProcess.io. I was consulting and trying to do what SalesProcess.io did on my own. So it was my own offer, but with fewer case studies. So it made it a little harder, right? <clears throat> and all along, I was watching the growth of <clears throat> closers.io <clears throat> i saw the ads i clicked through i went as far as to like talk to a salesperson basically I yeah before, but You're i funnel saw... hacking huh sorry you funnel hacking up the uh, the, the start of everything hacking. sorry call. <laughs> sorry call because i was trying to like find the best funnels to use to, to spin up my own for my own offer right but i saw the growth of this thing uh so then funny story i moved to miami from canada i kick canada to the curb i fly over here and um, I'm in a hostel because I can't find a place to live. Miami's very expensive. Floating around in, in a hostel, the youth hostels. Um, incredibly fun places. But I'm the only guy who is on a laptop working. Everybody else is like, yo, tequila shots. And like in the morning, <laughs> jumping in the pool. And I'm over here like. Yeah. <laughs> and I see this other guy <clears throat> like months in who comes and he's like me. He's like. He sets up his laptop he's oblivious to everything. I'm like, whoa, this is the first time in months I've seen another person in the hostel. He's like, so I'm like watching this guy and we get to talking and he's very cagey about what he does. I'm like, are you, what, are you independently wealthy? Like, I don't, you know, but I see on the computer, are you a developer? He goes, <laughs> no. I'm a and salesman. Go, okay. <laughs> sales dude. I like that. And he comes from the solar sales background. He's like, man, I want to, I want to like um, do this remote sales thing. I've been trying it and I've been having trouble. I go, man, you should join RCA is what I say to him. And he stops. He's like, huh? What? And I go, yeah. And then I launched into this long spiel about high ticket sales, how you can work from anywhere and how the best guys in the game are closing. You memorized the VSL. Memorized <laughs> the VSL, bro. I'm spouting it back to him. <clears throat> and uh, I'm just extolling the virtues of closes that I owe. And he keeps looking at me and then he stops. He goes, I, 
I am in RCA. I go, what? Yo. Remember, I am not. He he turns out yeah. to be, right? That's hilarious. And then I go, man, I should, uh, who signed you up? And at this time, I had been talking with Matei uh-huh. for about six months. And so, oh, sorry, I, I, I misspoke before. I did get to the point where I was speaking with a salesperson. I went through the funnel. I did speak with a salesperson. That was Matei. And I didn't have the money just yet. At least not all up front. And Mateo was very patient with me. He's like, okay, you know, when you're ready. Blah, blah. And I kept keeping in touch with him because he was Canadian and he was from the same province or state that I'm yeah. from. So I'm like, wow. And he was the only Canadian I knew on the RCA team. And he was also giving me inside information about the growth of Closers.io, uh, which is how I was able to tell this guy, Jacob, <clears throat> all the benefits of the program. So anyway, I go to Jacob. Hey man, you should join Cozy. He goes, I'm already in RCA. I go, oh really? Man, I know this guy, Matei. And then he, he stopped. He's like, what? He goes, Matei's the guy who signed me up. <laughs> so here we are in Miami, miles away and two like guys meet and RCA is the common connection with Matei being like the, the common denominator. It was pretty crazy. So at that point, the seed was, was uh, pretty much there for me to join uh and i joined shortly thereafter dude that that's an amazing story i'm like i'm just taking down notes and i'm like i need to take down like this specific timestamp to show show matei because that's awesome i mean like when we it's cool to see you know obviously you know did you go to the the last event the the ascension event no okay yeah it's in december so you have some time yeah so no the, the point of saying that is like it's it's really cool to see how like because I mean this online world I mean I've been a part of it for you know past five or six years but it's you know it's, it's really awesome to be able to like meet people in person and then when it's like that kind of like impromptu of like oh shit we're like in the same program and like you didn't even know each other you know and it, it like it just brings so like that that impact I think is is awesome you know um, and I, I fully agree like the <clears throat> the impact of RCA is that there's now a tribe of people who are connected, of like-minded people who are connected in values and goals and also in, in, in largely in the way they do things. So um, to see that tribe form and see RCA's instrumental role in it is just incredible to me because there's, from the world I came from, like SaaS sales, traditional tech sales, I'm in a couple of communities of sales people like that Number one, they don't have this type of community, bro. They don't have this type of togetherness and moving toward a common goal. They don't. <clears throat> There's a lot more competition. It's like, if I win, you have to lose. If I get this AE role, you got to lose. Yeah, exactly. If I get this deal, you got to lose. And then the, the people who are doing numbers, you have no visibility into what the fuck they're doing to do that. So they, you know, you can't, if you want to do real estate, you can go on the internet and like watch a lot of videos and get the idea and see different mentors and go, okay, I choose this one and get some mentorship. It's not like that in traditional sales world, but mm-hmm. our RCA has an academy of just, it's like all the wolves found each other and made a pack and they were like, don't fucking. Yeah, dude, it's, it's so funny you say that. I like, I mean, cause I, you know, I've worked really closely with Cole and have seen a lot of stuff like unravel, but that's like the first time that I've really thought about it in that way of it's like yes like the community is great and that's i think everyone like that comes on the show is like yeah like community like that's one of my favorite parts but just the fact that it's like it's it's so 
polar opposite between like everything else, right? Real estate industry, real realtors, they're always against each other. They never talk to each other about what's working, right? Same thing within solar, within mortgage, within any of these insurance sales, right? Door to door. It's like everyone wants to keep those secrets like so close. But with RCA, it's just like, hey, this is what's working for me. Like, let's jump on a call and like mastermind and figure out how to like get shit done, you know? I, I think people who come into RCA or to high ticket sales without a, a sales background don't realize what they have because it's like you just said, it's not the norm. In fact, it's a jewel in the rough. Like it's doesn't exist anywhere else. So it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's jump into your journey. So you jump into RCA and you know, uh, what did that look like? Just, just from, from the start. So I, I, you know, landed in Miami fleeing, uh, frozen, uh, communist Canada. <laughs> Yikes. Um, and I have some consulting. I have revenue from consulting. I have three clients as I'm in the air and the plane is touching down. I lose a client. Okay, fine. I'm still, I'm still at like 5k a month. Uh, we can, we're tap dancing. We're tiptoeing. Uh, I have one full-time gig, which is not sales. It's more like marketing. Um, and I know it's going to fall apart. It was for a short time. As it's falling apart, <clears throat> I've already met Jacob, told him to join RCA. He's told me, bro, I'm already in RCA. Uh, so the seat is there. I'm like, Matei, I got to get this money together and join. Then the contract I have ends. So with my last paycheck on my birthday, I'm like, Matei, I, I'm putting all the chips to the center of the table. Get me in and woo, let's go. And now it's like, it's do or die. There's, there's no safety net here. I got no family, no friends. I can't sleep on anybody's couch. The runway, the end of runway is visible. It's meters away. So now we got to do something. So I immediately get into the training. It's, I've taken sales training of every type from Sandler to value selling. I worked at Gartner, which is a notorious sales factory. They teach value selling. It's taught at like Salesforce and some of the higher, some of the bigger companies. <clears throat> it's amazing. Until Cole's training, that was the best training I'd ever done. So I've taken about eight sales trainings, challenger sale, fucking spin selling, you name it. <clears throat> and this is the best training that I've ever taken in my life. I say that because it covers the psychology, uh, things like looping and tie downs, things like tonality. There's no other sales course you can get in corporate America that talks about the, it's like the neuro-linguistic programming side of things. And I, I wanted, I always wanted a course that specifically pulled the NLP stuff out that's relevant to sales <clears throat> or seduction for my male viewers. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the same world. So, you know, hint, hint. Um, I wanted a course that pulled that stuff out <clears throat> and applied and showed it in practical application, not just textbook. Like, here's how you tell if somebody's lying when they look left into the, like, how's that relevant to help me close the deal? Yeah. <laughs> well, Cole pulls all the relevant stuff, tonality, upward inflection, neutral inflection, downward inflection, what that does to a person's psychology in the context of closing the sale. There's no other course that does it. Well, okay, maybe one other, which I won't mention on this podcast, but Coles is the best and it's the most comprehensive. And it's literally step-by-step step how you close a sale or how you get the meeting if you're a setter. And I had never seen anything like that put 
put together all in one place. So I attacked the training. <clears throat> I'm done in like, I don't know, three weeks. And then I go into pipeline. And that was, pipeline was the one thing that was kind of rough. It's not really RCA's fault. It's just the way things go. It turns out, I talked to a very successful closer in, uh, in RCA, Charles uh, Fitzgerald Butler. Mm -hmm. Yep. Dude did like 100K in commissions in August. Just a stud. Maniac. <laughs> like the commissions you make in a year, he eats for breakfast. He's just like, no, no, no. Exactly. You yeah. don't <laughs> care, bro. You don't give a fuck. Anyway, so he told me he was on a couple of shitty offers in a row before he found his current one. So that was my experience. And I realized that that's actually how it works. So I entered RCA March 4th. Uh, kind of my birthday and I worked I evaluated a string of shitty offers and worked two of them um, one of those shitty offers was from the RCA pipeline the other was self-sourced um, and the majority of the shitty offers that, that I evaluated were self-sourced actually so that was the struggle in the journey so not a lot of money moving around Miami's really expensive no place to live and having a place to live is critical because this is uh, a career which depends on you having a secure space, internet, and a laptop. These are the basics. Yeah. And internet and the secure space, like having people walk in your Zoom background while you're on the call, mm, not going to work out for closing sales, right? And I'm in hostels and various temporary living accommodations. So I think that affected the offers I was working on as well, like just showing up to the interview well right was maybe more difficult than it would be now that i have you know the, the the correct setup so anyway the journey was from march 4th we're speaking right now uh kind of at the end of september um i just worked on on a number of offers and through those offers i learned how to evaluate offers so it was necessary it was painful and I won't say that if you're watching this and you're new, you're going to have to do it, but you're going to have to, you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to have some experience in the field uh, on a bad offer to be good is what I think right now. Yeah. Well, I think like the, the, the important comparison to make, and I, I do this all the time, right? Cause it's like, you, you have to meet people where they are and it's, you know, this, this amount of time. And you, so you said you started like sifting through offers you said in March. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, March, Toward the end of March. Okay, so we'll that's say April. I, that's when I finished going through the course content. Gotcha. So if we're saying April, May, June, July, August, September, right? We'll say six months, right? You're, you're sifting through offers to find um, one that, that works for you. If you were to, let's say, try to make the same money from any other occupation, go to school for four years or 10 years or however much to make, I mean, let's use Charles as an example, $100,000 in a single month. I mean, you're going to have to work in one of those industries for 10 years, 15 years, right? To be able to, to get to the, the senior level positions where you're making that. So I just want people to know, like, even though you're saying like you had to sift through those offers, you guys can suck it up for six months and, and <laughs> get to a point where you're making that money, you know? Also my, my situation was unusual. Picture someone just moving to a new country and they're not all set up yet. Like they're sleeping on friends' couches, let's say. That's the situation I was in. So I had an extra negative against me, which had nothing to do with RCA mm -hmm. and nothing to do with the amount of effort I was prepared to put in that may have handicapped me. I don't think that even someone brand new 
coming into RCA necessarily has to spend six months on a string of bad offers. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that there's going to be some investment in time, energy, and financial resources. Mm -hmm. And some of the time and energy piece of that investment is going to be seeing what's not going to work. It actually accelerates your progress to being a good closer. Um, I say in my personal life, I don't trust nobody who hasn't been through hard times. So I got to know you for six months and see you in ups and downs before I ever trust you in my inner circle. Mm -hmm. Because if you haven't been through hard times, I, I really don't know how you're going to react <clears throat> when the, the going gets tough. In the same way, and just like you said, <clears throat> everything valuable, everything worth having is worth working for. If you skill up really quickly, you can be making 40000 a month like Cole was before he started RCA and like many other closers are doing right now. To get $40,000 a month, don't you think there's going to be some, some reps you got to take in the field? Yeah, right? Uh, it doesn't have to be six months like me, but especially if you're coming in with a sales background already, it definitely doesn't have to be six months. One thing I would say to people is to reduce that time, however long it's going to be for you to reduce that time, to really study uh, the module, the, the course modules on how to vet offers and any other content that's inside uh, school or anywhere else. How to vet offers. If you learn how to do that, you're going to save yourself hella time. Also talk to ex uh, experienced closers who are doing the do right now about how they chose the offers they're on. So talk to happy closers. You got to talk to unhappy closers too. Like, what don't you like about the offer you're on? Okay, great. <laughs> talk to happy closers. Yeah. And see, well, what's the old saying by Tolstoy? Every happy family is alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way, right? So every closer who's unhappy is going to be unhappy for their own reasons but you're going to find a commonality among happy closers, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things I would say for me that makes it uh, uh, a compelling offer is aligned with things I'm already interested in or a, my passion. Now, when I, at the beginning of my six month slog through offers, I devalued that. I'm like, fuck, fuck alignment. I'm trying to get to the money, bro. Who cares if I don't really like the thing? I'll look mm -hmm. at Amazon FBA stores. I'll look at automation. I'll look at, uh, maybe I won't look at personal fitness offers, but I'll look at anything so long as it will get me to go. And th that's actually not true. It turns out the offer that works for me is aligned with a personal passion. So I would mm -hmm. say, look for something that's aligned with your personal passion. Look for something that has good lead flow. Look for something that has product market fit, which means it's been doing, let's say 50 to 100K six months in a row consecutively. Look for an offer that has, uh, sorry, to, to go back to lead flow, what that means is their calendar is already being booked six to seven days out, so they need another closer. And whether that's the founder selling or an existing closer selling, there's already a closer. You're not the first one, right? Um, yeah, so sorry, just off the top, those are some things that I think can uh, help you define a good offer. And if you learn that stuff, you will definitely cut your ramp time uh, to find a good offer uh, considerably. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, okay. So let's, let's bring back the timeline. So you come to RCA, you go through this couple of months of, of really refining the offer. So I'm assuming you found something that you enjoy now. I, I have, I have. Perfect. Let's talk about it. 
So in uh, in about 22 minutes or so, I have uh, or sales huddle. And I enjoy showing up to the sales huddle because the dudes are cool. They're competitive, but not cutthroat. It's cooperative. They enjoy seeing me win. I enjoy seeing them win. Just as an example, and this is not um, common in the sales industry. Again, that whole mentality for me to win, you have to lose. That, that's the common mentality. Here on the offer I'm, I'm selling on, uh, I closed uh, a paid in full yesterday. And the first guy in my, uh, on Slack uh, to congratulate me is the second uh, highest performing sales rep. And the only reason the, the top performing sales rep didn't congratulate me right away on Slack is that he was on a call. So that yeah. guy, not only, boom, he's emoticon blowing up my shit. He's like, yo, rocket to the moon, fire emoji, blah, blah, blah. And then he calls <laughs> me. And then he calls me. You know why he called me? Because yesterday he gave me some coaching for free out of time out of his day. He broke down one of my calls. He's like, bro. Um, here's what I would have done. And here's what I think you did wrong. He's incredibly experienced, worked on another uh, big offer that's very similar and did numbers. He was doing like 10,000 a week, uh, something. No, yeah. Yeah, he was making like 10,000 a week uh, nice. based on this other offer. And he does it in his sleep. So he just broke, broke it down for me. And because of that advice, I used some of that to close the piff. So that's why he was calling me. He was like, bro, congratulations. Like, bro, bro, you know what I mean? Like, happy for me. Gave me the advice, time out of his day, happy for me. No ego, no, like, this new gun is crushing it. He, and he told me, bro, I want to help you because I want the competition. It makes me better. Because yeah. he was complacent. He was just like, bro, I'm good. I know I'm good. Like, he lives in a 4,000 square foot house in Vegas balling out like he knows he's good he's looking he's like i'm good but now now he's got a reason to like to focus he's like thank you thank you so much and call me anytime if you need anything right so the offer is amazing it's aligned with my personal passion um it's in a field that i personally was just studying for two years anyway uh real estate investment so i'm close like i closed uh a deal my first day, I closed a deal my second day, just closed one yesterday, which was like day, I don't know, five or whatever. So let's just say I'm, I'm here to crush and this offers a vehicle to, to do it. Nice. That, so I guess that's like super fresh on the, on the, on that offer then past, I mean, less than a, less than a week, pretty much. What is the, um, cause you know, everyone that, that listened to this podcast, like obviously we're here for the story, but we're also here for the like, all right, cool. So like if I'm a remote closer, what's the money I'm going to make? So what is like the, um, cause you just joined, like what is the income potential of that offer as a, are you a setter or a closer? Closer. Okay. So what, what's like the income potential if like, you know, KPI essentially. So as I mentioned, the second, uh, <clears throat> highest performing rep on our team. Now he did these numbers with a competing real estate offer. Um, he bought a 4,000 square foot house in Vegas and has like a casita, which is like a little guest house outside uh -huh. that his office. So just, and his mortgage is, his mortgage is like 8,000 a month and he makes that comfortably. So no, just man. Have yeah. that in your mind, um, the top closer brought home $15,000 on his last paycheck, his last two week paycheck. 
<clears throat> so I'm, I'm not at those numbers yet, obviously, but that's the income potential. So, and I mean, that wasn't like a surprise to him, the 15,000. That was actually a bit low because he had taken some days off. He's got like four kids. <clears throat> so I think the kids were sick. So he took a couple of days off. He's like, ah, oh, oh, we're at 15,000 this week. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll pay the mortgage for two months and okay, but come on, let's get on it now. Okay? Exactly. So it's a, it's a completely different game, you know, when it's like this, this remote, just the remote world and, and commission world. It's like, you can make those decisions of like, well, you know, I can like, you know, take off this week and, you know, we'll still make 25 K, you know? Exactly. And I, I find that for folks with families, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I don't have a family. I don't have kids, but I see like folks who do this career is so great for them because it wraps around your family life as opposed to the other way around. You're not missing soccer games. I'm readily talking to guys, including on my team, who are like, you can, in the background, you can hear like whistles and stuff because they're at their kid's soccer game and they're just, yeah. like, you know, it's the, it's the middle of the workday for everyone else, but they can, they have the flexibility to choose their hours, to choose their income, essentially. Like you work the numbers, you know, based on the, on the lead flow you got, exactly. you know, your close ratio, you're like, well, how much money do I want to make this paycheck or mm -hmm. this coming paycheck? Oh, okay. 10,000 will do. <laughs> next, next month, we're going to go for, for the normal 25, but we can do with 10,000. And so I adjust my work hours. I can take the kids to the doctor, to the dentist. Mm -hmm. you, you can show up in your life differently with that type of freedom, right? Which is the whole point. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think it's, it's like we just said it, there's so, there's so many opportunities open to it when like, you know, cause I, I've had like my own business you know, and, and kind of like you consulting and, you know, doing some remote closing stuff. And I will say like, you know, from a freedom standpoint, like it's, it's, I mean, you, you can't compare it to anything, you know, it's like, I was talking to, um, you know, a buddy of mine the other day and he's, you know, we're, we're planning on, um, or this was a couple of months back, we were planning to do this like trip or whatever. And it's like, well, you know, I have to go to my boss and I have to ask him to take off and see if I have, you know, PTO. And it's just this whole long thing. And I'm just like, Hey, uh, Cole, I'm going to be out of town, uh, this, this, and this. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, gone for a week and it's just like, no questions asked, you know, it's, uh, the, the freedom is, is insane. So, um, dude, I, I know you have to have a meeting here coming in a couple of minutes. So what would you say, you know, cause you're, you've gone through and you've proven the process. Um, someone that is, you know, they, they might think two things. Number one, they are a little bit skeptical about like sales in general. And they're like, well, you know, I, I know this like sales thing to be kind of like, eh, like kind of gross. And you know, what would you say to that person? That's kind of just skeptical about sales in general. Couple of things. If you made it this far in the podcast or in the episode, you're a salesperson. I've, I've found as a student of, of psychology that folks who think of salespeople like used car salespeople, I'm like, oh, I don't like salespeople. In the same way that some people say, oh, I don't like lawyers or I don't like doctors. Um, they're not going to be good salespeople because they have an ingrained, for whatever reason, idea of what sales is, but all of life is sales. To transfer an idea from your head to someone else's is persuasion, which is sales. And that happens when you start a new relationship, you get the girl to go on a date with you or the guy to go on a date with you. It happens when you show up to an interview and you get hired, that's sales. All of life is sales. Negotiating the price down on the hot new ride that you're, you, you've had your eye on, that is sales. The, the guy's selling you the car, but you're selling him a lower price for the car. 
right? Yeah. Sales. So all of life is sales. If you feel icky about sales, you probably didn't make it this far in the episode, to be honest. So that being said, there still is a traditional broken idea of what sales is. I see it a lot in the SaaS world. Here's what sales is. Sales is facilitation. It's not manipulation. It's helping people to get something they want or need, whether they know it or not, in the shortest amount of time by removing the limiting beliefs that are challenging them. That's what sales is. So you're leaving people better than you found them always. You're not strong arming people into something they don't want or need. So if you don't like helping people, sales is not for you. If you enjoy helping people and leaving them better than you found them, in other words, it's a win-win situation. In other words, people will record a testimonial for you after they buy something from you because they're like, thank you for helping me to get past X, to get what I really wanted. I, I did this yesterday in, in the PIF I closed. The guy was clearly a good fit for, for the program uh, that I was promoting to him, but he had a limiting belief. He had been burned before. <laughs> Aaron is like, like everyone, like everyone. <laughs> like everyone. everyone, and it's normal. And I worked with him. I came around the table and sat on the same side of the sim, and I showed him where I had been burned before and why that's not a reason not to invest in himself. And he was doing the, you know, he was doing the work. He had a good work ethic. He was willing to invest in himself in other areas. It was just this one area. He was, he was afraid of being scammed. Here's the thing. <clears throat> I send him the payment link. He finally decides to go. And then he's like, Mark, ah, oh, just one last thing. The email came from you. I've been scammed before. I don't, I know you're not going to scam me, but can you just have the email come from the owner of the company? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, good. So we took another couple minutes, sent the link. And he's like, ah, oh, okay. I can see now it's not, it's clearly not, you know what I mean? Like he just, he, that he was really hung up on that thing and I helped him get over it, bro. How good did I feel? When this guy who was already investing in himself is now going to level up, I feel good. Do I get money? Yeah, sure. How does he feel? He's texting me after paying five dollars. Bro, thank you so much. You helped me get. Who doesn't want that? Like, exactly. You, you made it this far in the episode. Hit the RCA or the closes.io link, sign up. Like, <laughs> what are you doing, bro? Well, dude, that's that's actually a perfect transition because I always like to start with that question, right? Getting people past their own limiting beliefs. But I mean, and obviously you're a little biased. I mean, you were basically selling RCA before you were in RCA. But what would you say to someone that's like, that has been burned in the past, right? They've tried a ton of things. They've tried Amazon FBA, drop shipping. They've tried selling their own stuff. They've tried building their own business. What would you say to that person that's just, they know they want need to do something. They are like on the, you know, they're about to click to go watch the video about RCA. What would you say to them? I'd say, when student ready, teacher will appear. <laughs> and what I mean by that is that when, you're, when your why is big enough, you're going to know. Truth resonates within the body. Nobody ha has to tell you something is true. You feel it within your own body. Yes, you filter experiences through your own. You filter things through your own experiences, but you know when something is true. When your why is big enough, when you need to change your financial future, when you've watched enough videos of students, like at some point it's like, yeah, that's not fake. It's like, I've seen four videos, four different, there was a black guy, a Hispanic guy, and this guy's from Texas, this guy's from Nigeria. I, 
like they weren't talking to each other. They didn't like collaborate to make that. Yeah, it's, it's not fake, right? You've watched enough of those videos. You have a, a deep, deep need, a big why as to why you need to change your financial future. Just, can you get scammed? Yeah. Can you get hit, hit by a bus when you step outside after watching this podcast? Yeah. It's about <laughs> what are the levers you can control? If your why is big enough and you've seen enough testimonials, just do it. I'm on the inside and I can tell you your life will change. All right, man. Well, that's, I think, the perfect transition. So if you are listening to this, watching this, and you've made it this far, um, down in the description if you're on YouTube or in the show notes if you're on the podcast app, um, we put together uh, actually Cole. We talked about Cole Gordon a couple times here within the episode. And uh, he's actually the founder of RCA. And he has a video where he just basically breaks down the whole process from beginning to end of like what remote closing is. We've talked about a lot about it uh, you know, here with Mark, uh, but it just goes more of the specifics, like what is it, how does it work, how do you get paid, like just the, the ins and outs of that. So if you want to check out that video, um, I'll leave it again down in the description, check it out. I think it's like 30 minutes long. So uh, I mean, if you've, again, listened this far, you might as well just watch the video and learn more about that. So check that out there. Um, again, no obligation to buy anything or, or anything like that. It is just straight up a video. I mean, Mark's seen it. It just tells you what it is and, and it gives you a little open invitation at the end if you do want a little bit more help. Obviously, you can stay subscribed here on the channel and on the podcast uh, and learn a bunch of stuff that way as well. Um, but yeah, check that out. So any, uh, any parting words before we hop off, before you have to jump in your meeting? I'd say sales is the field in which the levers uh, to control income are closest to you and most in your control. So you can study for eight to sometimes 12 years to become a doctor and make, you know, top out at 400, 500 K a year. Uh, You could, I don't know. If you got a great body, you can be an exotic dancer and they, they make pretty good bank. That, that, that route was out for me, uh, unfortunately. Same. Or you could do <laughs> you could do sales, help people, make hella bank. I'd say the average closer nowadays is uh, making 10K uh, plus a month. So you could do that or you could do nothing. If you don't change anything, nothing's going to change. So that's also an option. Um, I chose sales and I don't regret it. So before we hop off here, uh, from what we were talking about, you actually have your own podcast that goes into the like depth and detail of high ticket closers and, you know, interviewing other closers. So just where can people find that if they want to, if they want to look into it? Awesome. Um, I do have a podcast called the high ticket closer where I speak with active closers in the high ticket sales industry we get social proof at the top of the podcast what they're making and then we kind of go into their journey what they were doing before what happened what it's like now and the whole point of the podcast is to speak to my former sales world SaaS sales executives sdrs and aes to show them that the skills they have are actually better used in high ticket sales where they can bet on themselves generate commission and control their own destiny so you can find the podcast uh, right now, linked off my Twitter, and my Twitter handle is Bellaccioni. It's B-E-L-L-A-C-C-I-O-N-E. I'm going to have 
we'll make it easy for the ones that are listening. We'll go ahead and put it in the in the description as well. Awesome, awesome. Uh, I'm working on distribution to to get you know a dedicated handle just for the podcast, but that's where you can find it right now. And uh, please, if you enjoy uh, any this episode that we're on here with Aaron, or you enjoy one of the uh, episodes of the High Ticket Closer, please share it with your friends who are A's and SDRs who are complaining about not hitting quota this month. <laughs> Yeah, man, I think so. For those of you who are listening again, we'll leave it down in the in the show notes. I think it's just this, you know, remote high ticket sales right now is this almost like underground secret world that really no one knows about. <laughs> so the more that we can just get this web out to more people and, and spread it. Exactly. Come to the light. Come to the light. <laughs> We'll go ahead and end it there. So for those that are listening, um, I mean, obviously I want to say just a huge shout out to you, Mark, for for spending the hour with me. I think this, uh, we went over a lot of really good stuff and I think, um, I mean, people will take a ton out of this. So um, thanks for jumping on and spending the time. Um, for those of you, again, that are listening, check out the, you know, if you're not already subscribed here on the podcast and, you know, over on the other socials, make sure to check those out. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode of the RCA podcast. So Remote Closing Academy podcast, Aaron here. We'll see you guys in the next one. Talk soon.